Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel Tenney, and here we learn all about plants, how they work, how to care for them, and it's all taught in a way that anyone, from beginner to expert, can listen to, understand, and enjoy. So I hope that you will join me in Plant School. Hello and welcome to the Plant School podcast. Today, as you can see from the title, we are going to be talking about microgreens. And to be completely honest, I hardly knew anything about microgreens before this episode and talking with who I interviewed for this episode, Rachel Haber. She is someone who has created this whole company surrounding microgreens and making it really easy and accessible for people. And we kind of talk all about that in the interview. But I hope that you guys enjoy this interview. It was so fun to do. Rachel was such a joy to talk with. And who knows, maybe by the end of this episode, you will be convinced to try microgreens too. And who knows, maybe you listening to this episode will convince you how cool microgreens are. Maybe you'll want to try them too. I don't know. If I were a listener listening, I would want to try them, but I I already have. I'm trying them still. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview that I had with Rachel Haber all about microgreens. All right. Welcome everyone to Plant School today. We are doing an episode with Rachel Haber and we are going to be learning about microgreens. And Rachel, she has a company. This is kind of fun interviewing someone named Rachel. It might be a little confusing to listeners, but just know that there's two of us today. And she founded a company called Knowing Nature about two years ago to help people grow microgreens at home and no matter where they live. And I love this. I appreciate it. Rachel sent me a kit and I've been able to like tinker with it. And we'll kind of talk more about that later. But she's a former corporate attorney who discovered microgreens while teaching her three little kids and their classmates how to garden in their small NYC apartment. And she noticed a need for easy growing equipment, decided that she was going to address this need and start her own company, which is such a boss move. Now she has started Knowing Nature, which, what would you call them? Like growing dishes that you've created along with like basically a kit to start everything you need for micro greens and having used it personally, it made it so easy. It comes with the soil, it comes with the seeds and it comes with the tray, which the tray is a really simple design, but it like allows you to bottom water. It's been so much fun, especially with kids to be excited about growing something that grows so fast. And then you can like immediately use it in your cooking. So Rachel, did I miss anything? That was also, that's exactly our goal, to make growing microgreens at home easy because they really are a very easy plant to grow at home. Your company, I feel like, is definitely achieving that goal. And to start off, I want to ask you, like, what are microgreens for people listening out there who 
have no idea. How would you describe what microgreens are to them? Microgreens are the baby greens of plants that we eat, to put it simply. And the world of plants that we eat, you can think about it as certain vegetables. Right now, the list is always growing because it's such a new crop and we're always trying new things. Right now, we know that it's almost all the vegetables except for nightshades. So no tomatoes or eggplants um, or peppers. It includes edible flowers. So things like nasturtium and marigolds and sunflowers, of course, which is probably one of the most popular microgreens that people know of. Those can all be grown as microgreens and even some fruit, melon and cucumber, for example, can be grown as microgreens. It's a really uh, exciting space to be growing in. And it's driven by both the commercial world that's selling to like restaurants that garnish their plates with it. And also by folks at home who are either buying it in the supermarket or growing it themselves. Like we're all part of this like new age of little greens. I love that. And the question that like comes naturally to my mind is why should we care about microgreens? Like what benefits do they have? Why should we try eating them? The biggest benefit and sort of the elephant in the room is the nutrition. Pound for pound, microgreens are going to give you more nutrients than the mature plant, which means, so to put it a different way, a pound of broccoli is a, a green that can be grown as microgreens. A pound of broccoli microgreens will contain a lot more nutrition than a pound of broccoli, of mature broccoli that we buy in the supermarket. And not only that, that it, it contains all this nutrition, to achieve that nutrition actually takes less water and less time and less fertilizers, like less inputs than it does to get to the mature plant. So a word that comes to mind that I've seen in a lot of places is superfood. People like calling it superfood, that microgreens is like a, a superfood. And I, I don't love the term, but in that sense, it really is super, right? So it's the idea that you can get so much nutrition from something that's so fast to grow and takes so little water, takes no fertilizer, which is something that I, I, lo I love about it, that I care very much about, that it doesn't take up those resources and the mysteries that go into fertilizer sometimes. And they're so fast. They are so, so fast. Most microgreens are ready to harvest in just one to two weeks. And probably also the, the other thing that we should all care about is that it's really accessible to us. This is not something that you need to be an expert to grow. Um, and that's what I discovered through my experience and what I'm doing now with Knowing Nature is, is making it more accessible because you don't need to be an expert to grow amazing microgreens. And I have a question with that. And this may be something like you don't know, maybe it's just your opinion on this, because I don't know if there is an answer out there. So if they're the superfoods and they're, like you said, there's so many benefits, no fertilizer, they grow much more quickly than getting to like the end harvest of broccoli per se. Why aren't they in stores more? Why are they so expensive? And like, why don't we take off other vegetables and replace it with microgreens. Do you have any idea? Is it just like as consumers, we are like annoyingly set in our habits? What do you think? That's a great question. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. And I don't think I've heard it talked about enough. One reason is probably because the experience of eating foods, right? That's something that we all grow up with certain experiences. And I think food brings us a lot of joy. And that's something I don't discount one bit and, and something I think about a lot when we're when we're growing and enjoying the greens that 
it should be a joyous experience. It should be something that we feel and we taste and we see and we smell. It should like engage all those senses. And greens, even though there's dozens, even hundreds of different kinds of microgreens, the experience is probably not going to be as diverse as the, the diversity of eating a bro- a piece of broccoli versus eating sunflower seeds, right? That's mm-hmm. So there's you can't discount that. Those have so much value also. I think the other reason is, and this actually is uh, does get a lot of attention, is that all foods and microgreens included, they their nutrition is at its peak when you harvest it. And after the harvest, right, the, the nutrition only goes, it can only go down, it can't go up. And it's one of the reasons we talk about like the foods that are shipped internationally, right? We talk about, oh, the time it's harvested, is it harvested at the time of the peak nutrition because it's being harvested in order to ship it far. And if it's coming from a really far away place, it's spending a lot of time in transit and during that time in transit, its nutrition, its uh, nutrition content is decreasing, right? So I think that microgreens are no different, that they're also at the peak of nutrition when you harvest them. And when, and you can find them in supermarkets and, but they'll, they will have been there what let's say a couple days already and have lost that much more nutrition. So that's what I think is uh, the reason, but you know, it's not going, it's not becoming less. It's only becoming more. We're seeing more and more microgreens on the store shelves. Would you say the best option for microgreens at this time is for people just to grow them in their homes then? I don't think we have to choose one or the other, but if you want the peak of taste and nutrition, then growing yourself will be, would be the the best way to do it. I sometimes like to joke with uh, my friends who, you know, that a lot, all of them know microgreens by now, because this has been two, three years of, of just sharing it with everybody and getting them all growing. But when it comes to other things that we grow for food, for example, in an outdoor garden, like peppers and tomatoes, I was like, I always uh, will say like, you know, in an ideal world, of course, I would grow all my own vegetables and all my own, you know, foods, but that's just not the the setup or the accessible to me. And I think it's the same with microgreens that like in an ideal world, of course, we would grow all our own microgreens and that would be perfect. But um, I, I think micro, if you're getting microgreens at the supermarket, it's also fantastic. And if you get it at a restaurant, they're often on, on restaurant dishes. That's also fantastic. Gotcha. So just the idea of something is better than nothing. Absolutely. So I have to tell you, so we have grown wheatgrass currently, tossed it in a smoothie because I'm not brave enough just to like juice it and have it as just <laughs> the juice. But I had to like hype my family up. My kids were, they were an easy sell. It was my husband. I had to like hype him up. We like looked up the benefits of eating wheatgrass microgreens. And I was like amazed by the benefits of like everything it contains. And by the end of reading, I'm like, yeah, we can have this smoothie. We can do this. Like it may taste a little different for us, but the benefits far outweigh a funny taste that we're not used to. So I think they're really cool. I'm like catching on to why you love them so much. That's so cool. Yeah. Wheatgrass, when I first started growing wheatgrass, which was also the first time I'd ever, yeah, I, I, I wasn't even uh, drinking a lot of wheatgrass juice at the time, but I knew of it. I didn't think to eat it. And then it was through some farmers that I knew that were like, no, of course you can eat the wheatgrass. It's, it's great. It's just, it's a little fiber. So you put it in a smoothie. And that was just a game changer because I love making juice out of it. Um, you don't only have to have it as a shot, like the way that we get it often in the health food stores where they 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 press it and it's a very concentrated shot. I actually don't prefer that because it's a little bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, when I make it at home, I just use my blender and I'll put I'll cut a handful of the wheatgrass out of my planter. The, pro- the planter probably holds maybe 
four or five handfuls. So I'll grab a handful of my planter. I'll throw it in with some water. Um, if I'm feeling adventurous, I'll put a piece of ginger in as well. I blend it up and I put it through a sieve and it's, and it makes a juice as opposed to a shot, like a concentrated shot. And it's, it's actually sweet. It's actually not bitter at all. And then when you put it in a smoothie, you don't even um, taste necessarily the, you know, it doesn't have a strong taste. It just adds yeah. to the nutritional and the benefit of the smoothie and the texture. I'll have to try that next time of blending it, maybe adding ginger and then putting it through a sieve to see if I can handle that. Cause yeah, it, it's just really cool. I think the nutritional punch that microgreens have. So we know that they're great for us now and why we should be consuming them. How do you start growing them and how, like, what are your tips to be successful at growing microgreens? So to start growing them, I think like with anything you to have the right tool is, is really important. And I always give the example of like peeling a carrot. Like if you're trying to peel a carrot with a spoon, it's going to be like torture. And if you try to peel a carrot with a knife, you'll get the job done. But if you try to peel a carrot with a vegetable peeler, it's like smooth sailing, right? It's, it's a breeze. So the best is to have the right tool for you. I am obviously coming at it from um, the perspective of a home grower. I'm not a farmer. I don't have a commercial setup. I don't have a ton of space even. And when I first started growing microgreens, I didn't have any grow lights or even if I wanted to get grow lights, I don't think I would have known where to start. I was very much a novice and I was just trying to grow to enjoy my, to, to enjoy some gardening with my kids. I was working full time and we had, we were living in an apartment with no outdoor space. And I thought, how cool would it be if we could like grow something we could eat or take care of some plants in our apartment and my kids could be a part of it. And having the right tool for your space is, is really important. Um, when I started growing, we were using like big trays, like 10, 20 trays. And that's actually a lot of the products out there that you'll see. You'll see these big, these trays that are really designed for to be on racks with grow lights. If you have grow lights at home, that's amazing. I think that's starting really big. If you're, it's your first time growing microgreens and more, more power to you, if you're willing to do that. When I started, I, I was not ready for that, although that's what was available to me. So that's what I, I used. Um, and it was kind of hard it was hard to get it close to my windowsill to get enough light. It was hard to bottom water it. It was so messy to bottom water, um, which is the the ideal way to, to water microgreens. So to get started, I would say find the right tool for your space. Obviously, I'm biased. I love my I love my planter. It's why I designed it for home growers. If you have racks and grow lights, you can do something a little bit bigger, although my planters also fit can fit nicely under grow lights. And, and then the list of supplies is really short. It's once you have your tool to grow it, your plant, your container to grow it in. All you need is a, a sowing mix, like something that the seeds are actually going to root into and seeds. And I guess a light source to add to that list. If it's not natural light from your window, then um, some sort of artificial lighting. And once you have those things, the sky's the limit. There are so many varieties of microgreens that you can grow. I'm going to definitely put in a plug for your product too. I might be biased because it's the only thing I've grown microgreens in. But I feel like the only other time I've seen it I follow this beekeeper lady on Instagram and she had like that whole setup with the lights and those big, large trays. And I would say that's not super accessible for most people. And on this podcast, we're usually talking about houseplants. A lot of people are in smaller spaces where they don't have access to like large gardens or they don't have an area that they can just dedicate to, you know, having shelves of microgreens. So I would say if you guys are interested, go on to knowingnature.com. 
And you can look at, they're called, you call them windowsill planters because you can literally just place them on your windowsill. And that's like really the only space I have in my home right now. It keeps it out of the way of little hands from my toddlers and from pets. And it's just made it so accessible for me. And you guys just came out with like a gift set too, right? So what would you say it is? Is it like a starter kit for someone who hasn't done microgreens before? So our kits have always been had that goal of let's give people everything they need in one spot to, to grow microgreens and to grow several varieties. Because when you start, you don't actually know what you like necessarily, or you're growing, everyone's growing space is different, right? Someone might have a really sunny windowsill. Somebody might have a windowsill that gets no direct sunlight. So you want to learn both what grows well in your space and you want to discover what you, you actually enjoy eating. Cause that's the whole point. If you're not going to eat it cause you don't like it, there's, there's no point in growing it. So our goal with, with the, our kits were was always, let's give everybody, let's give people everything they need to start growing wherever they are in whatever setup they have in their home. So they don't have to adjust anything. They don't have to invest in any other equipment. What we just released, which is what I think you're talking about is a gift box where first of all, it's a lot more decorative on the outside and it's a lot more compact. Instead of potting mix, we have a house potting mix that I developed specifically for microgreens, which I'm super proud of. It's like I can geek out on the potting mix alone for, for like an hour. Perfect, like the perfect nutritional content and water retention and particle size and all that. But so what we did was we made a kit that instead of our house potting mix, which takes a, which is a heavier, obviously, we used cocoa coir discs which expand, which a lot of folks um, are probably familiar with, but if you aren't familiar, it's coco coir, which is like the uh, part of a coconut that is now being used. It's really sustainable because instead of tossing it away when we use the coconut meat and the coconut water, we, we can now use it in our planting and in our gardening and in potting mixes. So they take it and they not only is it all cleaned and washed and it's um, compressed into like a little disc so that it's really lightweight. And what you do is you add water to it and it expands and it's amazing substrate. It, it has, it really has such an excellent texture for so many purposes, but especially for microgreens. So we include in our kits, these, these discs so that it's really lightweight. And if you wanted to gift it to somebody, you're not carrying like a big pot bag of potting mix, which is what we often include. Um, and both of them give that same, that same experience of planting a seed in soil, because that's also something like when you asked what should someone think about when they want to start growing microgreens? I would encourage folks to also think about their goal. Like what's the, you know, start with the end in mind of, are you trying to gain a lot of nutrition from your microgreens? Like, is that your goal? Like you want to juice every day or are, are you looking like I did when I first started for a really joyous experience? Like, do you want to connect with your food? Do you want that feeling of calm and uh, connection that comes when you're growing something or when you're caring for a plant? And I get this from my house plants too, you know, when you're, when you care for your house plants and you you prune it a little or you water it or you, or you repot it or you just like where the, the vines are going, you get this feeling like you're part of this process with it and you're both part of something bigger. And that's, um, that's I think, a really important takeaway from, from any gardening and any growing, including microgreens. So when you start with that in mind, it gives a better sense of what you need and what to focus on. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, 
as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And so if someone is listening, they're like, I, I want to try this. What are your favorite ways to incorporate them into your diet? And I'm really curious about this because I'm super new to microgreens and I feel like I'm not really sure yet what are the best ways to have like a great experience with them. So obviously, like we talked about wheatgrass, you can juice it, you can add it to smoothies, but what are some of the other microgreens and like, what are your favorite ways to consume them? I guess. I love that question because I love talking about the food part. Um, I wish I were a chef and I could like really go into depth, but I'm also a mom, just like you. I have my kids, I have three kids that are 12, 10 and seven. So we have a very busy kitchen in my home because we're always eating. Um, someone's always eating. And I love the question of how do we, how to include microgreens and in what we're eating? Because all of us eat microgreens and we all eat it in different ways. So salads are the obvious one of like, they could go in salads, including the sharper ones, for example, like radish microgreens, which are spicy. And I should mention, we were talking about like, what is a microgreen? Not only do they have a lot of nutrition and more so than their mature counterpart, they actually have a taste that's, some people will say it's the same taste as the mature plant, but I would say it's even a little bit more concentrated or a little bit sharper. So for example, broccoli microgreens taste almost like a sweeter broccoli and radish microgreens which are really popular because they're so easy to grow and so help, like so healthy. They have a spicy taste, just like mature radishes do. Even spicier greens like that, like arugula, also arugula is amazing salad green. Arugula microgreens, also super nutritious and have a spicy, like a peppery taste. Those all are great in salads. Another favorite in our home is to put them with eggs. Um, I'll just cut the microgreens I'll like with a scissor even onto the plate. And I'll take that egg straight from the pan, the hot egg, and lay it on top of the greens. And actually, it's a, good to note that microgreens, it's usually, it's not recommended to cook microgreens. Not because they can't be cooked, especially the hardier ones like pea shoots or sunflowers are kind of hardy and they can withstand cooking the way that like a mature kale can withstand cooking. But the optimal nutrition comes when you eat them either raw or just slightly wilted. And that's actually similar to like mature greens, right? Like we know that about kales and spinach that if you just wilt it a little bit, you're actually breaking it down like the, the compounds in there and making it a little more accessible for our digestion, even changing the compounds a little bit that we're then absorbing from those foods. So for microgreens, it's best to either eat them raw or to just slightly heat them a little. So an egg from the pan right onto the greens is like perfect. Another way that I like uh, that we love eating them is with roasted vegetables or with uh, grains. So if I make like quinoa or rice, I can chop up some microgreens right into it before serving it, which makes it also look really beautiful. I got to say, when I serve rice with uh, my pea shoots cut into them, or broccoli, like laid on top, people really think it's like so, so fancy, even though it's just rice. But the, the greens themselves are beautiful. What are other great ways? 
with steamed vegetables too, not just roasted vegetables. We're big fans of roasted vegetables in our home, but one of my kids in particular likes steamed vegetables and I'll mix it in with those steamed vegetables and it's really delicious. Pizza, that I have to say. I have to give a plug for pizza as much as I like eating healthy. We're still, still all love pizza. And just the way you'd see certain slices that have like veggies on top, like mushrooms or broccoli, microgreens are actually amazing on pizza. Like I said about the slightly heating it, you put it on a hot slice and it'll wilt just, just a little bit. And it's, it's really delicious. And those are just the way that in my simple kitchen, we make it, uh, we use them, but folks will put them in smoothies all the time. All the different ones, not just wheatgrass would be delicious in smoothies. People garnish if you're a foodie and you really love that presentation if you're making a meal and I've done this a couple times with my little kids we don't get the opportunity to make so many fancy meals they really are very beautiful and they have a great texture because they're so fresh and each one's very different like a radish is very different than a carrot microgreen they're just so so different and they they really add a lot of beauty to the plate so if that's something you really like like you like having beautiful meals and presenting it really beautifully those greens can really enhance the plate in that way as well. That's interesting. I love, I love making beautiful food to eat. I always feel very proud of myself if like the entire rainbow is on the plate of like our dinner or whatever. It doesn't always happen because you know, toddlers are hard, but yeah, I love that point. And I do have one question. So when you are adding things, is it mostly just like preference, like oh, this one I know has a sweeter taste and you kind of learn by trial and error of what you would like to pair with different foods? When I'm experimenting, it's usually it has to do both with the taste and the texture because they're all, they're, each green is really unique. So for example, pea shoots. Pea shoots are really hardy, like they're thick and they grow quite tall, like six or seven inches and they have a nice sweet taste and they're very crunchy. My kids actually really like speaking of like making a plate with all the different colors. Like I'll often put just chopped up vegetables on my, on the table. And if I have pea shoots, the pea shoots are one of those vegetables. I just chop them and put them right on the plate. And I have my 10 year old in particular really likes the pea shoots. She might even take the whole planter sometimes off the windowsill and um, she'll just like chomp on it off the planter. And we joke that she's like a goat, like there's like a goat roaming in our apartment. But so that takes, so the way that we use those pea shoots is very different than the way I would use, for example, carrot microgreens, which are not necessarily a beginner type of microgreens, but are really lovely to grow as well. And they are very, just like carrot greens, if anybody has ever grown a carrot outside there um, or bought a carrot in the supermarket that still has the top on it, that's what the carrot microgreens look like. They, they're very delicate. They have the little, the leaves are just, are like sticks almost, right? Like limes and they're, they, the taste is very different. And the, the sweet pea shoots, it's a carroty taste, for lack of a better description, it tastes like carrot. So for that, I would use it that more for the flavor of it than the texture necessarily. So absolutely, the texture and the, the flavor are, are what dictates it. And it's fun to experiment. And it's very exciting. It's nice to, when I make a meal, to have that harvest experience. It's one of the reasons I, I, I started growing them so much, because my kids really like that too. They like the harvest experience. And I still really like, even after so many years and growing so, so many microgreens, every time I get to cut some and every time I share it with people, or whether it's just my family or my friends or, or anyone, it's, it's still a, a really nice part of the meal. And it almost, it's almost as if it makes eating the meal that much more pleasurable because there's something there that I, I grew myself. Yeah, I agree with you. My boys, when we, um, 
cut down the wheatgrass, they pretended they were little lawnmowers and they thought it was the best thing in the world. And I think it made them more excited to like try it in that smoothie that we made together. But people listening, you know, we're all we're all interested in plants on this podcast and we all love growing them. And I would say, and kind of repeating what you said, it's very satisfying to grow something. And not only that, you get to use this plant. It, it's not something that, well, it gets to sit on your shelf, but you can also be using it. The only other houseplant I can think of that like does something is maybe aloe vera. And it's just not something that's super like common in the houseplant world to have a dual purpose for a plant besides growing, you know, vegetables or basil. So I feel like microgreens is just something so fun and it's very quick turnaround to harvest. So it's just, it's very satisfying how quick it can go and be brought right into your home and serve a purpose for you and bring those nutrients to you. So for me, I love the dual purpose because I'm very picky about what houseplants end up in my home anyway. And so to have something that can be adding to my diet and to my family is just something that I really appreciate and love. And I love that you've created this Knowing Nature company, that you've made it so accessible and that you're I don't know, just sharing it with others. I think that's I think it's really neat that you've been able to do this. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear that, that it's filling that need because I also, I have my houseplants and I love my houseplants. And this is a, ve- it's a d- very different experience in this because of that engagement, right? Like the engaging part of planting the seeds and soil and caring for the, like, even when you care for them, I really enjoy, I'll, I'll tell people, I suggest that they pet the greens, like along the tops of them. And not only does it feel really nice, but it also, it, it create some resistance for the plants and it like mimics a wind and it helps the plants grow stronger. So even that experience, like petting the greens and then the harvest, it's, it's a, it's a type of engagement we don't get necessarily from our other house plants quite as much. And it's a different kind of satisfaction. I'm so happy when I'm able to share that with people because sometimes it comes in waves, you know, sometimes we're busier, especially in the summer, a lot of folks are growing outdoors or they're outdoors more. So they, they have less of a need or they feel less of a need to growing things indoors or having that experience indoors. But now, like right now we're, we're recording this uh, December and it's really cold where I am. Um, I'm in the East coast. And during this time of the year, it's especially a treat to have this experience. And I think there's, you know, the reason I named it knowing nature. And I thought a lot about the name when I started, the reason I named it knowing nature was because I saw not just the nutritional benefit, not just this like awesome crop that everybody should be growing and have access to this, this delicious food in their own home. But I saw it as filling exactly that need of like the engagement and connection. And I thought, you know, why do we all have that? Why are we all craving that? Why do so many people crave that? And it's because it's really part of our human nature to want to know nature. And that's where the name came from, knowing nature, because I I believe it's part of our human nature to want to know nature, not just see it, but to really have a relationship with it. And I hope that the microgreens, they, they create, they're one more data point, you know, in addition to our hiking and our gardening outdoors and take care of our houseplants, I hope that it's, it provides people with that. And I can't tell you how many um, people have told me about their kids, just like you said, how many people have told me they cannot believe when they see their three or four or five-year-old or even older child eating greens. 
because it's that experience. They're so excited. You don't have to sell it to little kids. Kids, they just want to, if you give them the opportunity to, to take care of plants or to do any planting, they're in. And if they grew it themselves, you could never, I could never get my kids to eat spinach, but <laughs> they will eat, they will try every new microgreen variety we're, we're testing out because it's exciting. Yeah, that's so fun. And it, because it's so fast for those small attention spans of like, mm-hmm. I have a two and four year old, very small attention spans at some point and <laughs> to have the wheatgrass, like just grow so rapidly, they will check on it every day. They have, they have these little measuring tapes that like you press a button and it spins in. So that's like one of their favorite toys, but they would take out their measuring tapes and see how tall it's grown. I told them like the height it needs to be before we harvest. And so, yeah, every morning they would let me know how tall it's gotten. So for little kids, older kids, it's, it's just kind of fun to get them interested in plants in just a really simple way. So that's yeah. so cool. That's something that teachers would tell me, by the way, because when I was first, um, when I f- created the first versions and I was like tweaking the design, I knew in my head what the greens needed to be successful, but I only had, you know, the general idea. And from there, it had to go through a lot of trial and error and a lot of experimenting. And one of the places I did it in is I did it in my kids' classrooms. I went into all my kids' classrooms and it was such a hit with their teachers. They asked me to do it for the whole um, like early childhood because that's where a couple of them were at the time. So I was doing it in a whole bunch of different classrooms. And the feedback I got from the teachers was like you were just saying about how it's so nice that it's a fast turnaround because not only do the kids have such a short attention span sometimes, but you know when you grow a bean, it's kind of hard to tell them, okay, we can harvest this bean in two months from now. You know, It's really exciting to see the bean sprout, but then to tell them to wait two months is it's very hard for a child. So the teachers always enjoy that, that they can work the microgreens into not only the kids' attention spans, but also into their their curriculum because they also have a very tight schedule. They don't necessarily have two or three months that they can be taking care of plants and the microgreens allow them to fit it in in just a week and a half or two weeks or even I've seen it as a, a center time activity where when the kids come in, they can they can actually do some gardening in the morning without having to commit now to like two or three month uh, growth cycle. I'm like kicking myself. I have a lot of friends that are teachers They've asked me before, what do you recommend growing that has like a fast turnaround time? And I now I know that I can start suggesting microgreens to them because, yeah, it it's very satisfying for children. OK, is there anything else that I haven't covered any additional information? I would love to, to plug how sustainable the microgreens are, because not only are they this wonderful experience to grow, but they really can provide so much nutrition for so much less resources. And that's something that's like a really hot topic today. A lot of folks like talking about um, the sustainability of our food system and agriculture. And there's a lot of amazing work being done on that front. And microgreens is one area where I don't even think we've, we've even come close to tapping into its full potential. We can get so much nutrition with so much less both space and time and something that's really important to me is also fertilizers and, and things like that. I, it was something that I, when I created the planter, I created it with material that's BPA free and phthalate free, because I knew that that stuff that's in a lot of our plastics, I wanted it to be really durable. So I made it out of a plastic, but I didn't want it to be a one-time use product. It had to be something that would be super safe to reuse for a very long time. And the reason I cared about the BPA and the phthalate is because we are what we eat, right? And we're eating what those plants are absorbing. 
And when we buy food in the supermarket, even organic food, it's going to have, it's going to have things that were either sprayed on it or included in the soil. And our hope is always that it's something that's safe for us. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we just have to make do, but with um, microgreens, because most of what the plant needs is in the seed, it actually doesn't need any fertilizer. And there's a whole, there's a whole debate out there about, do you even need a sewing mix to grow it? And can you grow it like completely soilless? But the whole reason there's that debate is because it needs so little to grow in. And theoretically, you can grow it in something like I was talking about, coca coir, which is one of my favorite ways of growing, or a potting mix that has just really safe ingredients. Our house potting mix, for example, just to talk about how simply it can be grown without like fertilizers or anything. Our house potting mix is made out of coca coir, which is just coconuts that have been washed out. So there's no salt in it because the coconuts grow by the oceans, right? Worm castings, which are like super sustainable. It's like instead of compost that comes from animals, our worm castings happen to come from a, a source that only uses um, non-animal foods to like feed the worms, like plants and things like that, but super sustainable and has no fertilizers or anything like that. And we include some sand to allow air into the, to the mix. And to be able to grow so much nutrition in that way without fertilizers, I think is a has so many health implications and can be so beneficial to us and give us access to nutrition that's really hard. We talk a lot about how our food doesn't necessarily contain as much nutrition as we hope it did, does or that it used to maybe. Um, I don't think that's always the case, but certainly with microgreens, if you're growing them at home, even in the most simple substance or even in a soilless material like coca coir or like mats, there's like these jute mats or hemp mats, any way you grow them, they will have so much nutrition and you won't need to give them any fertilizer because most of what they need is in the seed. They don't really need much in the soil. So that's one thing to, for people to, to know about microgreens that not only is this like a fun experience and really delicious and nutritious, but it's also actually really sustainable for the planet and for our ecosystem. If we could all grow more of it and include it with our, like in our world of vegetables that we eat, I think we would all gain a lot both in satisfaction and in nutrition and in sustainability, like our eco footprint in the world. I love that. It just makes me think because you bring up fertilizer, like what a difference that could make if there was such a big demand for microgreens, if farmers started to supply them locally and cut down their fertilizer use, because like here in my really localized environment, I know we have issues there's a really large lake next to us called Utah Lake. And you think that it would be this big recreational drop, but it's actually not. It's kind of an ugly lake because there's just a lot of issues with fertilizer runoff and nitrogen runoff mm -hmm. from farms that are close by. And it causes these huge algae blooms. And I'm just like, man, what if there was a, a big demand and some of these local farms could switch and cut down on fertilizer use. That would be so cool. So uh, you're spreading great stuff here. If it can catch on more and more, I think that would be great. That's a great plug, not only for growing it at home, because that, it, that's awesome too, but also for if you want to buy it, go for it. Like if, because that demand, like you're talking about, is going to come from buying it in the supermarkets and buying it from the farmer's markets. And when we demand that in the, like when we want to buy that in the stores, that's going to get those farmers growing it. And the runoff, like, I don't know anybody who lives in an area where we don't have to deal with that problem, right? Like there's there's so much runoff from the fertilizers. And a lot of farmers who grow, like now 
the way that microgreens are grown commercially, there's like two, two ways. One is in these, they're always, it's always indoors, but one way is like you could even grow it like in a basement in these racks that are floor to ceiling racks with artificial lighting on it. And that way you can get it right in the middle of a city even. Or the other way of growing it is in these in greenhouses where instead of going vertical, you're going horizontal and you're placing the racks side by side, the excuse me, the trays side by side, and they're getting natural sunlight coming in through the greenhouse. And a lot of farmers are starting to do it. And if we if we buy it more, then they'll start doing it even more. And another and it actually made me think of another thing that I'd love for people to know, in addition to like that it's sustainable, is that it's also accessible. Like a lot of folks, some people talk about how it's hard to access fresh foods in certain areas, especially if you only have seasonal foods, which obviously seasonal foods are going to be um, the most nutritious if you're eating what's in season. But some of us even can't get seasonal foods, right? Some of us live in places where just getting any fresh produce can be very expensive or very hard to get. And will only come from very far away, let's say. So microgreens is something that is very accessible because it can be grown in the, it can be grown in any greenhouse or any indoor space. And for example, where I used to live in New York City, there were there were vertical farms being set up in like downtown Manhattan, like in the middle of like a business district where you wouldn't expect it. They set them up in like basements, and the same in Brooklyn. And and I know it's happening all over the country including in the, I think the largest indoor microgreens farm right now is being set up somewhere in Pennsylvania by Upward Farms. They're a really cool company. And it's just to give people access to such fresh greens, no matter where they live, right? That's another amazing part of microgreens. So I, I love talking about growing microgreens. And I think everyone should grow it because everyone would enjoy it, but don't even hesitate if you want to buy it or if you want to try something that's um, being sold at the farmer's market or at the supermarket, go for it. And even better if you see them actually with the live greens, right? Like some places, they won't just have them in, in containers already harvested. They'll have the actual greens still in the soil and they'll harvest them right in front of you and give it to you. So that's even better. I, I had no idea that was even a thing. That's super cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And yeah, that's a great point to kind of wrap this up on how accessible it is. And there's been so there's been so many great things I've learned about microgreens. I hope anyone listening, if you have had any sort of interest as we've gone through this, to just try it out. And it's not expensive to try either. That's another great thing about it. It's, it's really affordable and it's great for the environment. It's accessible. All the things we've talked about, it's good for you. And if you have a picky husband like I do, you can convince them. <laughs> I, you can just read off all the benefits and yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on and for sharing this with us. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for trying it out. Thank you for mentioning how affordable it is because we, we, we try to keep the price affordable and also the, pl our planters just want to mention, you can reuse them with your own soil and seeds. So we actually, we sell these kits because we want to make everything easy, but we also just sell our planters or you could just buy the kit and then reuse your planter with your own soil and seeds. And microgreens hopefully will give that, that joy to people at a price point that they can, they can afford. And thank you so much for, for talking to me about it. Yeah, so of nice. course. Thank you again for coming on. And that concludes my interview with Rachel. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Don't forget to leave a review for this podcast. And I hope to have you here in two weeks for a brand new episode on the Plant School Podcast.
Thank you so much for being here and for listening to the Plant School podcast. I hope that you will join me for our next episode. And if you would like to support this podcast and keep it going, there's a link down in the show notes of this episode where you can donate to this podcast. And I really appreciate all that help. Or you can go to my merch store, which is also linked in the notes of this episode. And you can find some really cool plant-related shirts and stickers. And if you want to support the podcast but spend no money, feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review. All these things greatly help me out and allow me to keep doing this. Again, thank you so much for listening and for being here at the Plant School Podcast. Thank you.